You're listening to Wholesaling Inc. Episode number 572. You just got to start. The biggest thing is starting. I know it's going to be scary. Like there's no way around it, but Mm -hmm. you just got to be fearless about it. I mean, the more practice you get, the better you're going to be, the less scary it's going to be. So that's the biggest thing. And then stay with it because it's not easy. It's not easy. I know a lot of so-called gurus make it seem so easy. It's not. You got to put the hours in every single day. Consistency is, is what gets you success. So stay consistent with it, even when it's hard. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. Podcast, America's number one podcast for new real estate investors, where we know without a doubt that finding discounted properties is the most proven path to financial freedom. I am your host, Brent Daniels, Mr. Talk to People, Mr. TTP, and I am telling you this. If I can do this, so can you. So let's get started. I'm excited about this podcast because this podcast interview is with somebody that doesn't want to be in the spotlight, but he has built an incredible real estate wholesaling and flipping business over the last five years in one of the toughest markets possible in Denver, Colorado. It is my pleasure to introduce to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast, to the TTP studio here, Mr. Daniel Versteeg. How are you? Good. Good. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah. It's awesome that you're here. So you've been on this, you've been on this path for five years now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what were you doing before you discovered wholesaling real estate? Um, so my story is basically I was in college. Um, I played college basketball. I got injured actually out in uh, Oregon while I was um, playing out there. And then from there, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I finished up school, got a sales job. Wasn't really feeling that. Then got into property management. Yep. And then I realized property managing, like managing properties isn't that fun. So was that your door to open up yeah. to your path to real yeah, estate so, was property management? Yeah, that was basically it. I knew I wanted to be in real estate in some capacity. The thing that kind of triggered that was Rich Dad Poor Dad, like everybody else. Yes. So that's kind of what kind of planted the seed from there. I wanted, I took the internship, realized it wasn't exactly what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And then... I think I just came across a YouTube video it was yeah. about wholesaling, and I was like, "This is this is the way that I can get in." So I was working from about seven o'clock to five p.m. Yeah, and then drive home in traffic. It was about six o'clock. Yeah, so it's late. Yeah, uh, from six to about one o'clock, we'd be writing yellow letters. So that's kind of how we first started. Awesome. Um, yeah. So it wasn't fun. It was tough, but the crazy thing, right, Daniel, is we read this rich dad poor dad, yeah, and we're like, oh yes, real estate. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. But it's not like an instruction manual. Exactly. You know, they're not like, oh, this is how you go out and find a motivated seller. Yeah. This is how you go and find out a discounted property, right? Mm-hmm. So we're kind of stuck, and we go, oh, geez, okay. So I, I have this real estate passion. I know that I want to find discounted property. I know that I want to own property and have these mm-hmm. assets, you know, give me passive income and all these things, right? All these things are going, we're getting excited. And then it's like, what do we do next? Right? Exactly. And, and, that, and that was the biggest problem for me is because I, I really didn't know how to break into it. So that's why I thought sales, it could be a commission job to break into it. Not all sales jobs make you a lot of money. Um, I was in industrial and construction sales, so it wasn't really 
that lucrative. So I couldn't build up the capital to get any rental income like he talks about in the book. Right. So when you come across wholesaling, like that's the fastest way that you can make a good amount of money in a short amount of time. That is the path. I've seen it time and time and time again. Read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Somehow it finds its way mm-hmm. into somebody's hands, right? And listen, they've sold 40 million copies of Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? It's been in a lot of people's hands. The number one like personal finance for forever. But I don't think a lot of people take that next step that goes, okay, now how do I do it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so you went into it and you saw an opportunity. Somebody gave you an opportunity to get into property management? Yeah. So I was just browsing on Craigslist trying to find an internship that was paid um, in the uh, real estate field. Yes. And I came across a property manager. It was a small, small company, privately owned. And I worked there. I was managing probably 60, 70 doors. Mm-hmm. It wasn't what I thought it was. <laughs> right. Because he was a developer, too. So I was just kind of on the side managing all his properties. A lot of evicting, dealing with tenants, calls, broken stuff, and just driving around. And it just really wasn't what I wanted to do. Yeah, so, so you, get, you get thrown into yeah. real estate in the like worst position, which is property management. I mean, not worse in a sense of whatever fulfillment and all these other things, but it is a lot of just dealing with drama after drama Mm -hmm. and issue after issue. And you have to kind of, you know, go through all this and you're almost on call all the time dealing with everybody else's issues. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which kind of, you know, it sounds like it's crazy, but it kind of set the platform for you building a business to where you're controlling it. You're the one being proactive. You're the one going out there. And you started first with yellow letters, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. How'd that go? It was was difficult. That is how I got my first deal. So I was was writing a ton of yellow letters, sending them out every night. I forget the specifics of it. I know it netted me $10,000. And right after I made that, I quit my job, which might not have been the smartest thing. But I I feel like entrepreneurs, you kind of just jump in two feet in. Because I thought, in my mind, if I can do it once, I can do it twice, I can do it three times. Um, It's not going to take as long. Because at the time, I was only making about $35,000 a year. So yeah, I mean, if you make $10,000, almost a third of your yearly salary. So it makes sense to to think that way. After that, it was a little difficult, just because you don't really have that as much money as you think. (laughs) Yeah. So let's let's talk about this. Let's time travel for a second. Yeah. You make $10,000. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh, right? It feels like a million dollars. I mean, I remember the first time I got like $8,500 and I was like, Oh yeah, right. Absolutely. But how do you how do you prevent yourself from spending too much when you're initially making these checks? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I think that one of the pits that people fall into, and you and I know this, we talk to people, we're around people all the time, is they go, Oh, now I got to spend all this money into marketing, I gotta spend it into hiring people, I gotta spend money, I gotta pay mm-hmm. off this, I gotta do that. You know, all of a sudden that ten thousand goes really fast. Yeah. How do you set limits on your spending in your business? Um now it's a little different. At the okay. time, I did spend all the the ten the ten thousand dollars the wrong way. Ended up having to take out credit cards to try and pay for more mail because at that point I stopped writing them, started sending out postcards. Yep, that's expensive. Mm-hmm. And in a market like Denver, it's so saturated with mail that it's very hard to get a deal. Yeah. Um, so ran out of money, and then that's kind of how I went virtual. <laughs> Ended up going to Kansas City because it's a cash flow market where you have, I guess, more opportunity uh-huh. as far as like having people who flip and who buy and hold. And in, in Colorado, it's mostly people buy to flip. I mean, there are people who buy to hold, but mostly just flip. So That's a beautiful distinction. And I really want to clarify this for everybody that's listening. I think it's really important to look at, and you look at your market and you go, okay, is this an appreciation market? Is this a growing market? Is this something that people are looking to buy and flip in? Or is this where primarily the move is buy these properties, 
keep them for forever, get the cash flow, and just, you know, that's that's the world, right? Yeah. And in some markets, so you're saying, what was it, Kansas City? Yeah, Kansas was City. was kind of a mix of both. Yeah, it was a mix. So Beautiful. In my mind, I thought it would just be easier. Even though it's virtual, it's different. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily easier, but at that point in time, I had run out of money, so my whole thing was I got to just pick up the phone and start calling, and that's how we kind my of into to cold calling, so. I love it. So, mail wasn't hidden. Yeah. You're spending a ton. Yep. You're waiting for these calls to come in. Yep. Was there any anxiety when you spend that money and uh, waiting for calls? Yeah, absolutely. Because you don't know. Right. It's, 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 I don't know. I think it's easier to play offense when you're cold calling. Yep. When you're direct mail, is hit or miss. Like, you get a response rate of about 1%, maybe 2%. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're just kind of hoping that you're the person that they call out of the stack of cars. Because it is saturated. You can definitely get deals. I'm not going to discount yeah. like You can 100% get deals. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Listen, marketing works. Yeah. It just depends on how much money you want to keep. Exactly. That's the biggest thing for me. It was because to me, I guess direct mail is just more expensive than what I want to spend right. for my marketing. Right. But it works 100%. Yeah, it does. And that's why you see huge companies, right? Mm-hmm. You see some of these bigger companies even come in the the iBuyers, they're called. You know, the Zillows, the yep. Open Door, the Offer Pads. They spend so much money on marketing, and they have to do so much volume. But they're spending literally millions of dollars in some of these bigger markets. You can't compete against that yeah. when you're when you're spending even ten thousand or twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. You can do a deal here and there. The question is, how much can you keep? Because the point is. We need money to keep so that yes. we can buy assets. It's all about profit. It's not about revenue. Right. So in the introduction, and I've said it a million times, we talk about the, the most proven path to financial freedom is finding discounted properties. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, first we find them and then we wholesale them so that we can get the money so that when we find the ones that we want to keep, we buy those at a discount. Exactly. Not only are we increasing our net worth, but now we've got more cash flow because we bought them at a bigger discount. Absolutely. That's the game. Mm-hmm. That's the game. And then it's just trading up. We've been we've been playing it since we're 8, 10, 12 years old. It's Monopoly. You buy a single family house and then you buy a single family house and then you sell those and you buy an apartment. You buy a multifamily. You do that and then all of a sudden cash flow. It goes back to Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yep. Now you're passive Income's coming in and is covering your expenses. Exactly. And that's the whole point of wholesaling. I think a lot of people, it's a quick buck, but you got to understand I'm doing, I wholesaled so that I could get to the next level. Yes. It's not to say a wholesaling the whole time because you can, you can, I mean, you should always have, I think it's a good cash flow business to always have, but you can always expand on it because you want to be a real estate investor, not just Mm -hmm. a real estate wholesaler. But you also flip. Yes. So we do. Mostly wholesaling. So it's a lot okay. of li- lipstick stuff. Love it's it. Not, it. I don't really like the big construction. I will purchase some if it's like 20, 30 grand in uh, renovation costs. Won't really want to go over that just because, <laughs> I don't know. It just takes time is the biggest thing. And by the way, guys, 60 deals a year. 60 deals a year he's doing. I mean, this is not like a small little operation. Yeah. And how much time do you spend in your business? Uh, not that. Probably a week. About, a week? Probably 20, 30 hours. 20, 30 hours. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but but it's taken you years to be able yeah, to build this, is, this up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been going for five years. Five years. You started this in 2015, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, this is this has taken some time to get that consistency. You get your $10,000 check. Yep. You don't have a boss anymore. You're off and running. You start now. Are you making cold? calls yourself um, in the beginning or did you hire right away no in the beginning it was just me i'll tell you right now it's the anxiety of cold calling will never go away you just have to be fearless about it 
So I think in the beginning, I don't know how many hours I was doing, but it was a lot. It was probably four or five hours a day. Yep. Just trying to max it out. Four that, to five hours a day. Yeah. You personally making calls. Yes. Because once I quit my job, it gave me the time to do it. Right. And that's kind of where I was at, especially after I kind of went broke after spending the money through a uh, direct mail. Mm-hmm. So didn't have a lot of options. Um, Listen, there's no motivation like yeah. like having to make something happen. Exactly. You know I, mean? I mean, my income, there was like a couple, a two-week span where I drove like Uber because I needed money to, to do it. So like when you're really going through it, you wow. will hustle. You will hustle through it. That's incredible. Driving Uber yeah. to now working 20, 30 hours yeah. in a business that's doing 60 deals a year. Yeah. I mean, incredible. Not only 60 deals, but that's a combination between wholesaling and flipping. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to wholesale these things. And I mean, you're not going to flip these things or wholesale it. I, we, we call it flipping. So for anybody that's listening to this first time, uh, a wholesale is when you actually buy the property, you buy the deal, and then you just clean it up a little bit and put it right back on the market, on the MLS, right? Do you have your license or do you I list know. it with somebody? No, I list it. Okay. List it you list it with an agent and then you sell it really fast mm-hmm. because it's still discounted, but now you're exposing it to every buyer in the world. Yeah. Right, that's exactly. looking at it, which is on the MLS. That's the biggest advantage mm-hmm. of wholesaling. Yeah, exactly. Because, right. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of work to, to purchase the property because we're already looking for deeply discounted. So if we can buy it super deep and then put maybe 10000 like carpet paint um, and then put it back on the MLS, the way the market is right now in Colorado, like you'll get a bigger spread that way than, than wholesaling it. Awesome. So now it went from you, mm-hmm. right? You were doing four to five hours until you did enough deals mm-hmm. to start hiring. Now you've got an army of people making yeah. calls for you, yeah. right? Yeah. So now we have, we try and keep it six to 10 cold callers, right. get them from Upwork. So we basically just have them on the phones, pounding the phones the whole time. Yep. Um, and then just an acquisition who talks to the sellers once we get a lead from there. We just dispositions and then that's pretty much the team. The Love it. Part. Yeah. Love it. So when, when Daniel's saying six to 10, you know, there's fluctuation there with the callers because sometimes they're not effective and you need to replace them and you're training people, but they're not active yet. Or, you know, your lists are getting a little bit more congested. I want to get into where you're pulling that much data because mm. that's a lot of horsepower. Oh yeah. Because they're calling what full time. Yeah. I mean, we're talking probably, I think we keep them four to five, because after about four hours, they get tired. So we usually keep it about 20 hour work weeks, 20 to 25. Okay. Depends on the caller. But you're calling between 150 and 250 hours a week. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of numbers that you have to go through. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of lists. How do you keep your list fresh? I love absentee lists. Mm -hmm. We have four, I think four counties in Denver, and then one in Pueblo, so five counties total. We'll pull everything as much as we can. We won't discriminate like as far as how many years own. None of that. We'll just kind of max it out. You got to open it up. Open it up. Um, sometimes we'll even do 55 and o- mm-hmm. older just because we run out of data, but we just keep rotating them. Mm-hmm. Use what prop stream. We use Aria Pro. We, use, we, we pull a couple lists. We use list source too sometimes, but where do you get your phone numbers from? Batch. <laughs> <laughs> I know Jesse wants that plug. Yeah, we get them from Batch Skip. So they're really great data. It really is. The reason we're laughing is because this studio is literally <laughs> in Batch uh, Skip Tracing's uh, office building here. Yeah. So that's why we're laughing. But um, okay, so you're you're using uh, PropStream. If you guys haven't used PropStream, check it out at ttpdata.com, ttpdata.com. Definitely check that out. It's a fantastic tool. And then you pull those lists. Mm-hmm. Now, an interesting thing that you said there was you're not looking at the length of ownership yeah. on these properties. Yeah. Uh, do you go at least a year? No. You just go for everything. We go for everything because 
sometimes we've come across where flippers who are new, they purchase properties that are deeply discounted, but they don't actually have the funds to finish the project. Got so we can it. still interesting. Yeah. Or it's kind of the same as probate. Property could go into somebody's somebody else's name within the month. You don't want to miss that data either. So incredible. So something that he's pointing out here is typically when you're pulling your list for the first time, I always suggest that you go back ownership 10 years, have them own the property for 10 years, because over that 10 years, if they're absentee and they've had tenants and they haven't been updating the property, or maybe a tenant's just been beating the hell out of the property and they finally moved out, that's when you get really deep discounted properties. And you probably went yeah, through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. once you go through that, yeah, once you, you go through that. So, so that's, I want to point on that. So you want to, especially when you're starting out, you want to be more targeted because you're not probably going to have the budget if you're going to, if you're cold calling, you probably don't have the budget to expand too wide. So yeah, I would definitely go more targeted. If they own the property 10 plus years, there's a good chance that, and it's an absentee, there's a good chance that they're thinking of retirement. That's where a lot of our properties come from. I'm just thinking of retiring. Um, I don't want to be a landlord anymore. So that's definitely a really hot list that's worth pulling for sure. I love it. You mentioned probates. Yeah. So you deal with that. Yeah. Now, this is a question I get all the time. All right. What do you say differently to a probate that you than you say to an absentee owner? I really don't say it. It's the same thing. It's the same it's thing. It's the same thing. Motivation is motivation at That's the end of the it. day. You have to see if they would consider an offer on their property. Yeah. That's it. You yeah. know what I mean? You got to see where they're at in the process. Obviously, you know, with probate, you need to handle with, with care, mm-hmm. right? They've lost a loved one or at least somebody that's in their family if they didn't have a great relationship, whatever. Yeah. But but they are now dealing with a situation where a lot of people just don't have the money to be able to keep that property up or renovate that property. Mm-hmm. Um, the status, 75% of people sell a property they inherit within the first 90 days of new ownership. So mm-hmm. really hot list, not only probate, but just regular inherited. Yeah. You know, when people do have wills and people inherit the property, you know, they need to do something with it. It's just they they get the property, they get the ownership of the property a little bit faster, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. So you're doing all these deals. You've got your team set up. You've got an acquisition manager? Yeah, acquisition, disposition, kind of a cold call manager who just kind of manages, um, make sure everybody's making their calls. How does your cash buyer database look? Are um, you are you one of the guys? Because this is like up for debate in a lot of a lot of cases. Some yeah. people say, you know what, have 20 people that you really trust so nobody goes around your back and tries to steal your deal and yeah. then deal with the drama or blast it out to as many people as possible so that you are getting the most out of every deal. Yeah, I think it depends on the market. Because when we work in Southern Colorado, we kind of have a handful of people that we just sell to. Yep. Just because of the fact that there's a less abundance. Um, When we're doing stuff in Denver, it makes more sense to put it out there a little bit more um, just because you want more eyes on it. So it really just depends. Got it. But I do think at the end of the day, if you have a hot deal, you should be able to sell it. Oh, for sure. I think that's the main thing. I know there's a debate about, should I get the buyers first or the deal first? Mm -hmm. I personally think you should get the deal first. Right. But that's just my opinion. Well, I do too in this market. Yeah. You know, I I feel like when the supply and demand are so shifted Mm -hmm. to that there's just a lack of supply, you're going to find the buyer. Yeah. And what I found is we sell to a lot of real estate agents, not to them personally, but to who they they represent, their their clients. And some of them right now, they're bidding on properties. They're 15, 20 offers in every property. Mm -hmm. They're now telling their buyers, hey, you need to go in with cash. Here's a private money resource for you. Buy it with cash and refinance afterwards, or you're not going to have a shot. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the way the market is. I mean, like you said, if, if it's a softer market, then definitely find what your buyer wants. Um, it really just depends. But right now in the market, in Phoenix too, I'm sure, Yeah, it's probably the best. If you have a deal, you'll be able to sell it. 
Love it. Yeah. Let's break down a deal. One deal. That's, that's okay. what everybody loves. <laughs> Let's break down a deal that you've done and uh, so that we can ring this victory bell here. Okay. So you start. Um, so earlier this year, I think it was probably a month or two ago, we had a gentleman. He was distressed in the fact that he had cancer and he needed the money, unfortunately, to plan his funeral. So it's it very sad, but he wanted to sell the property. So he had the money for that. And so his family wouldn't have to pay for it. Yeah. He had tenants in there. They were pretty good. So this is a rental property. Yeah, it was a rental rental property for Mm -hmm. him, but he just couldn't manage it. He had somebody who was supposed to be managing it, but really wasn't. So he wasn't really getting a lot of rent for it. So we want to get up out from under it. Yep. So we contacted him. This is a cold call? Yeah, cold call. All cold call. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's all we do. Yeah. And he was really nice. So the numbers on it, I think we purchased it, or I guess got it contracted for 53,000. Okay. Um, and this is Pueblo. This yeah, is this is Pueblo. This is, this is a different. You can't buy a parking spot. No, absolutely not. The average home price in Denver is about six hundred grand. So, right. so this is Pueblo for sure. So you can get them cheaper down there. But we contracted it for fifty three thousand, and we sold it for I want to say. Hold on, hold on. Before we get there, before oh, we get, right, what was the condition? The condition of the home. It was actually decent on the inside, uh, but the exterior was just shot. Like it needed all new siding, needed a roof, um, gutters. So it was. It was. Not in the best. The interior obviously needed updated too. Yeah. It just wasn't just trash, which was nice. Was it a bigger house or smaller house? It was a decent sized house. I think it was a four four bedroom house, but they were non-conforming in the basement. So they couldn't uh, count. So it was technically a two bed with a finished basement. Got it. Yeah. So that's kind of where we got lucky there. Got it. Yeah. Non-conforming means what? It means that so non-conforming means that. There's just not a crawl space big enough for you to get out of the basement. So you can't ah, act, actually call it living better. space. Yeah, living space. Yeah. So, but there was plenty of I don't know these it. things because Arizona doesn't have basements. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Everywhere okay. else, everybody's screaming at me right now like, you idiot. But okay, so the condition is kind of it, cosmetic. Yeah, cosmetic. Right? Yeah. And then his timeline was now. Obviously, yeah. the time's ticking with his illness. Yes. Um, and then the motivation was he just wanted to get rid of it and be able to sell it and have the cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his family didn't have the responsibility of that. And the price. Um, I think we ended up selling it for eighty five thousand, so about thirty two thousand dollars assignment fee from one call. From one call, come on! <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. So it is possible. Yeah, I promise it's possible to do this. Well, that's the thing, you know, and it's really interesting, you know, seeing your evolution from going from Uber to four to five hours a day calling, mm-hmm. to then building it up to the point where you're hiring six to 10 people to make the calls for you. Now mm-hmm. you've got an acquisition manager running the sales. Now you got a disposition manager selling the deals. Now mm-hmm. you're in it 20 to 30 hours, making sure, you know, at this point for everybody, when you're at Daniel's position, your job is to make sure that they're successful. Absolutely. The way to do that is make sure that they have fresh lists, make sure that you're going mm-hmm. after the right deals, making sure that you're motivating them, making sure that they're held accountable for hitting the task. Yep. But beyond that, I mean, are you going to these properties? You meet in a seller's um, face-to-face? You sit down? Once, every once in a while sure. I'll go, but not too often. Right. It really just, it's kind of case-by-case basis, but for the most part, I'm not too, too involved. And on top of that, we like to make a lot of our offers on the phone. So... Mm-hmm. Um, we'll make the offer, and then if we need to go out to, to look at it face-to-face, if that's what they really want, then we'll do that. But for the majority of it, we can go ahead and uh, comp the properties online, and then we'll kind of know where we need to be. Love it. Yeah. Now, is this a business that you want to have for a long time? Do you see it? Like, yeah. does this stop? Um, 
I don't think it'll stop. I always kind of want to have a wholesaling business just because it's quick money. Yep. But I do think that you should always be trying to grow. So sure. that's kind of where the wholesaling and flipping side has come into it. Eventually, we want to get into more multifamily buy and hold commercial stuff. So, sure. Yeah. Just yeah, but the, po- the point I'm, I, I'm trying to get to here is, you know, have patience out there, everybody. Have patience and understand that he's just five years into it. That might sound like a crazy amount of time, but you're going to do this forever. Exactly. I mean, you could do this till you're 100 years old. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, it's not like it's it, it's something that you go home every day and you're like, oh, I hate this mm-hmm. business. I, you know, I'm just exhausted and I'm, you know, yeah. you're vibrant, you're in shape, yeah, you're you excited, be, you, you gotta have be energy. You got to excited about it. Yeah. That, it's, it's fun. Like you wake up and you're really passionate about it because you get to help people. Like once you realize that you're helping people and you're not looking at them as dollar signs, yep. That's when you really get successful. I love it. I love it. So everybody out there, if this is just your first 90 days, or your first year, stick with it. I'm telling you, if you have enough quality conversations with distressed property owners, you can't lose. It's impossible. It's impossible. You will find deals. You will find deals. I don't care how bad you are or how how inexperienced you are, you will find opportunities if you are. And 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 you jumped into it. You didn't, it's not like you came from a family and a background of all these real estate tycoons that no. you know showed you the path and were doing all these things you jumped in it you read a book it sparked an interest and then you got into the industry through an internship mm-hmm. and then you did your first deal and now you've got a business that you're running 20 30 hours a week mm-hmm. doing 60 deals yeah it's absolutely incredible yeah it's possible it's possible you just got to work hard that's the biggest thing if you have the work ethic you can make anything happen Incredible. So speak to somebody that's just starting out right now. They're getting ready. They're obviously listening or watching this, mm-hmm. right? And they are. They want to take some action. What do you think they should do? You just got to start. The biggest thing is starting. I know it's, it's going to be scary. Like there's no way around it, but mm-hmm. you just got to be fearless about it. I mean, you, the more practice you get, the better you're going to be, the less scary it's going to be. Right. So that's the biggest thing. And then stay with it because it's not easy. It's not easy I know a lot of so-called gurus make it seem so easy. It's not. You got to put the hours in every single day. Consistency is is what gets you success. So stay consistent with it even when it's hard. Love it. And yeah, you should be good. Do you have a way that people can reach out to you if they just want to say congratulations, if they want to like partner up with you or or squat up with you in Colorado? Yeah. Can we put my email in the the show notes? Yeah. Yeah. So my email is millennialpropertyinvestments at gmail.com. That will go directly to me. So you can reach out there. And yeah, I love it. Have some good talks. Everybody, listen, what an incredible, incredible, just this is real life. This is real life. He's doing this every single day. And it's just such an inspiration. So, you know, listen, you can do this. You absolutely can do this, but it takes, you need to start taking the action and just understand it's hard work, but you can do this. You can live this life and uh, and follow in this man's path. Absolutely incredible. So, And if you are interested in joining the most proactive group in real estate investing, it is the TTP program, the TTP family. Go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash TTP, wholesalinginc.com forward slash TTP. Check it out. Scroll down. Check it all out. If it feels good in your gut, sign up for a call. We look forward to talking to you. And as I always sign off, I always encourage you to talk to people. Until next time, guys. Love you. See ya. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.